Well, thanks, um, Mike, where did he go? I think it's um, interesting that he just had us sing that song um, from Psalm 145, which is actually one of the scriptures that I'm gonna be talking about today. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really moved when I think about the goodness of God versus our own goodness. And this week I've been thinking a lot about the whole question or problem of not feeling good enough. Have any of you ever been there? I think uh, most of us, a lot of the time or most of the time, um, it's a pretty common problem. Um, the Psalm that we are singing from, the Lord is gracious and compassionate um, and slow to anger and rich in love and, and just all about the good works of the Lord talked about in that Psalm. Um, is really such a different focus from what we feel like we need to be. We feel like we need to be good. We need to be this. We need to be that. And most of us have a lot of negative thoughts a lot of the time. From statistics, I hear that 80% of our thoughts are negative. I don't know if that, I mean, I've heard that from so many different people. If that's true, we're in trouble, right? And a lot of those negative thoughts are about us and how we failed. Um, so, you know, whether it be trouble finding a job, failing at having a house or, or finding a life partner, um, getting criticized for being mis misunderstood can lead to feelings about not being good enough, right? And so we can also have regrets about our past. And no matter how well we seem to be doing now, those thoughts about the past, about how um, we weren't good enough in the past, just it's hard to let those go, you know? Um, what are some of the other things that people can feel not good about or not good enough about? Being a parent, not being a good enough parent, not being a good enough partner. What else? Yeah, because we're used to it. Like patterns of behaving in the past where that was just our mode of operation. And we can kind of feel bad about like, are we ever going to change? You know, am I ever going to be good in, a good enough Christian? Am I going to be a good enough helper for God? Am I going to be good enough? Whatever, right? Smart enough? Am I talented enough? Usually we think everybody else is better and has more friends and, you know, their family loves them better because there must be something wrong with us, right? And it makes sense that Satan would try to convince us of that because that's actually his job 24-7 is to convince us that we're not good enough. As a matter of fact, we suck all the time. And, you know, our, one that I have is like um, being a mother, you can't go back to mother. Yeah, you can't go I back like, and. I was 15 when I had my third, you know, I just had my first baby, 18 when I had my third. So I'm a little kid. And I, all I did was get the opposite of my mom. Right. I knew that was bad. Yeah. And I coddled them so much that it did turn up that not really causing a problem with me. It's a, you know, when your kids are doing drugs and you want to make sure they have them. Just yeah. Weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So Robin is saying that she kind of did the opposite of what, how she was parented because she didn't feel like she was parented so great. So, you know, as a young mom of a 15 year old and an 18 year old, or when she was 15 and when she was 18 and what was the last age? Um, I, I had, then I had my last one. Years yeah. 12 years late. She yeah. was just saying that it was easy to kind of slip into doing the opposite of, of how her parents parented but still feeling like that wasn't good enough even if you felt like you almost spoiled your kids or coddled them you know and um 
and then just having that haunting you constantly. And I think that's what Satan would love us to do is just think about constantly how we don't measure up. Um, so what does the Bible say about being good enough or enough? Um, well, actually, I don't, I think we're not good enough, but hang on a minute. I don't want you to get me wrong here. This is supposed to be good news. I don't think we will ever be good enough. And that's not to say that we should be living with shame and beat ourselves up all the time and, you know, feel like we can never be fixed. It's not that it's actually that we need a savior because we are not made perfect. God knows that we were made human beings that are flawed. And a matter of fact, all the so-called heroes of the Bible who were supposed to be so good, if you look at every single one of their lives, what are you going to find? Let's think about it here. So, you know, yeah. And when you think about it, um, you know, God didn't create us to be perfect, you know, apart from him, you know, we are made perfect in Christ. But in Isaiah 64, 6, um, we're told that all our righteousness, like all our best is like filthy rags. So, okay, that should not be depressing news, but a relief. It's just to tell us that um, there's really nothing we can do in and of ourselves to, uh, you know, to be the good person that we feel like we should be. Our society tells us we should be good all the time, you know, and, you know, good kids are rewarded with, you know, things at school. Um, you know, if you're good in sports, you're rewarded with honors and stuff like that. But if you don't measure up according to world standards, you kind of have this, you can get an inferiority complex. Yes, Rex. You know, I found that uh, a lot of the world is a delusion. A lot of the world yeah. is a delusion, yeah. You're only as good as your spiritual conditioning. Right. If I don't study the Bible, if I don't pray every morning, I skip a day, I just kind of start to fear off my course. Yeah. It's just a matter of time before I start making bad decisions. Yeah. You start you know, mm -hmm. let the devil in. Yeah. You know, then I find that with my spiritual conditioning that when I get in my highest moments, that's when I'm attacked the hardest. Right. Well, we think we kind of are on this like trajectory of I'm getting good, you know, I've I'm sober, I'm I'm nicer to people, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this and that. And pretty much there's almost this feeling like, well, I kind of don't need God. I mean, God gave me this jump start and now I'm just kind of going up and up towards perfection. And then boom, that's usually the moment like pride comes before a fall, right? And, yeah, exactly. Making noise. So um, even Paul, you know, the apostle Paul who wrote a lot of the, the New Testament, who was a super successful in the world's eyes for sure i mean he lists all the great things he did which were not bad things you know his education his upbringing like pure jew obeyed all the the laws you know he you know never did this or that um you know he actually said um that he counted all of his so-called righteousness like shit and he used that word he didn't use another word he used that word to say that's all of his good stuff that he ever did was pure shit and um and he came to realize that man he thought that um 
you know, like persecuting the Gentiles, you know, the Christians at that time, he thought that that was the work of the Lord. He was trying to be zealous for, for God and destroy all of God's so-called enemies. He thought they were the enemies because they were like unclean Gentiles, right? And so um, he thought he was doing the work of the Lord. And then all of a sudden he gets knocked off his donkey, this bright light, he goes blind and Jesus is saying, why are you persecuting me? You know, you got it wrong. You know, and he's like, what? I thought I was doing the will of God. And so Paul, who was so righteous, um, he, he says that actually his righteousness was nothing. And all that mattered for him was the only thing that made him righteous was, was Jesus and knowing him. So I'm sure you guys could think of, you know, a lot of other people in the Bible. I mean, if you start with, with Eve and Adam, you realize that they weren't the perfect parents, were they? I mean, you, you end up with the first kids in history, you know, Cain and Abel. Cain, the first brother, kills Abel. I mean, it's like, man, just the get-go of, hum of humanity is, is messed up. And you also have, before they were born, you have um, Adam not protecting Eve against the serpent, you know, Eve making some mess ups too. And so you got that. And then, then you have Abraham, who's supposed to be the father of, you know, of the people of God. And, um, you know, he was, God said, you're going to have countless descendants, like the sand of the, on the, you know, shores, you're going to have all these descendants that will just go on and on. And, you know, he was like a considered righteous man. And, you know, he, he got wealthy because he was so righteous, apparently. Yet, when push came to shove and he was afraid, he actually lied and said that his wife, um, Sarah, was, was his sister so that he wouldn't be in danger. He kind of threw her under the bus, you know, and then she could have, like, been raped by, by the guy that didn't even know that. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, you can have my sister. It's his wife, you know. And, right. Well, um, so anyway, she, and then... Sarah agreed um, to having her slave be the, um, the mistress for, for Adam because God promised that they were going to have a son, but it was kind of getting late. And so in years, you know, like they were in their eighties or whatever. And so, so Abraham's like, well, yeah, why don't, why don't I just have, you know, my slave or Sarah's like, why don't you just take your slave or whatever? And he's like, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. So he got her pregnant and that messed everything up because then Sarah got jealous of her and on and on. Yet God still worked through Abraham. So here we're seeing a pattern. So Moses, you know, famous Moses actually was a very insecure man who had trouble speaking in public. And he also had major anger issues, right? So God told him to talk to Pharaoh and free the people of of Israel who were enslaved in, in Egypt. And Moses is like, uh, actually, I'm not a very good speaker. You should have someone else do that. And that really got God mad. Cause he's like, Hey, I made the mouth. Are you going to not go if I tell you? And he's like, Oh, you know, so there was that. And then um, later on, Moses, he was so mad to see, to see his own people getting, you know, brutalized and stuff by the Egyptians that he went and killed um, an Egyptian's taskmaster and, and he buried him in the sand and then looked around and then he just like ran, ran off into the desert so he wouldn't get caught and, and sentenced to jail um, or maybe ex probably executed. Then another time Moses, he got so mad that when God, um, well, actually, first of all, he shattered the first edition of 
the Ten Commandments, you know, written in stone by God with the finger of God. He got so mad that he like broke them. He broke that. That was like, talk about anger, right? And then another time he was really mad and um, God said, just speak to the rock. And he actually like hit the rock with his rod instead. And so just things like that, you know, show us that even though people like this who are similar to us, you know, do these things that, that it didn't stop God from working in their lives. And I think the whole point of uh, these so-called WikiLeaks of the Bible, like showing the reality of who people were, was to encourage us. So I'll end with, um, with David, who was like considered, as you know, to be a man with a heart after God. Um, well, he, as we all know, he one day was spying on Bathsheba, who was taking a bath on the roof over there, you see. And, um, and he was like, yeah, like wanting, wanting her, even though she was married to her husband, who was on the front lines out there in battle. And so he calls her over. Of course, if you're called over by the king, you don't really have a choice, right? Calls her over, sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. And he's like, oh, man, I messed up. Um, hey, and he calls his commanders and he sends words over. They didn't have, a, they didn't have cell phones, but sent word to say, hey, uh, you know, the husband of Bathsheba, yeah, just push him out there on the front lines and then draw back. And that's how he was killed. So like David did that. And not to mention all the other things that messed up in his family. Like, and in the end, the thing that really made the whole, the whole nation of Israel go down, down, down was that he allowed his own daughter to be raped by his own son. Like he was so negligent. And that's when everything just went crashing down. So, but yet, look at the Psalms that were written by David and we're so blessed by these Psalms. So all of this should encourage us, you know, that these are, these are put in the history of the Bible to show us that, okay, if God would work powerfully through all these people, then why not us? And we need to stop limiting ourselves because of our past, even because of our present, even because of today, what we screwed up on today or yesterday to say that, well, we're just not good enough. Um, and just remember that God said, didn't I make you? So if I call you to do this, it's not your righteousness, but, but it's me working through you. So I think that God uses our strengths and our weaknesses. Why? It's to show not our goodness, but God's goodness. Because if it were all about our goodness, just think how, think how um, oppressive that is. Like when we just look at how good everybody else is, does that really help us to be encouraged to like seek God? No, it's in, it's in our weakness that, that we're made strong. And I think that, that we find our best moments of our best self is when we come to that, to, to really say, yeah, God, I'm really nothing without you. So um, I just want to end by um, reading this. Well, actually, first of all, I want to read again, um, Psalm 145, which we, we sang partly. So Psalm 145, I just love this Psalm. I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of weeks since since I preached on it a few weeks ago, but I encourage you guys to read it. It's like, as I mentioned before, it's a Psalm that um, a lot of the traditional Jewish people read like three times a day because they considered it a really important Psalm. So it talks about, um, it says um, that people shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, not, not my own awesome deeds, but it's God's awesome deeds. 
and I will declare your your greatness. And then, then it says, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and rich in love. We just sang that, didn't we? And Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. So he has compassion on you. He has compassion on me. And, um, you know, it says that the Lord lifts up and upholds all who are falling. Do you ever feel like you're just falling? Like you thought you were doing okay and then you find yourself falling again. Well, good news. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. And um, so that's, that's like every day. That's not just like, oh, when you first became a Christian, he once did that and then you got better and then you're just off sailing up, you know, to heaven on your own. No, it's like, this is an everyday thing. So I'd like to end with Ephesians 2. It says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. So what does that look like, by grace? That means free gift. We don't have to do anything to be saved. And it's not our, our, goods, our goodness that makes us who we are, but it's God's goodness who makes us who we are. And we're loved not because of what we've done or how great we're, of work we do. Or, or any of that, but because just because we're God's sons and daughters. So Ephesians goes on here. And this is not your own doing. Just remember, it's not your own doing. It's not your own goodness. It is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one may brag. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So let's walk in the good works of God and let's forget about, you know, how we fall short and let's just press on and um, be encouraged by, by these words. So let's pray. God, I just thank you that, um, that we don't have to be good enough, that we never will be good enough, but that we don't have to live in shame either. And just thank you, God, that you are the one that makes us. We are your workmanship. And we just thank you that you are not ashamed of us and for the things that we've done in the past that make us cringe sometimes, that you are a very present help right now in a time of need. And we just thank you that, that you smile on us even in our weakest moments and that you still work through us, even though we feel like we're not qualified. And so I just pray that your message of, of love and complete compassion would go in the depths of our hearts, and that you would take us deeper in your love. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.